Let's go to the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 4. Ecclesiastes, chapter 4. We'll read um, from verses 9 through 12. Ecclesiastes, chapter 4, verses 9 through 12. I'm going to talk a couple of minutes about the wisdom of, of serving as a body. And... What we read in Scripture wasn't defined or created by us. It was created by Almighty God. So I appreciate his wisdom. So I just want to talk a couple of minutes about the wisdom of serving as a body. So in the Old Testament, in the book of Ecclesiastes, the writer who got anointed to be as the wisest man um, on this earth who ever lived, he one time penned this uh, after having lived life, experienced life, victories, defeats, challenges, whatever it may be, he went through them. And he had a unique perspective, a unique God-given perspective. He understood heaven's view and the natural view. And he said this one time. He said, two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. If one falls down, his friend can help him up. But pity the man who falls and has no one to help him. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Father, thank you for your word. We ask, Lord God, that you would um, anoint our minds and uh, open up the eyes of our understanding that we might be able to understand that which you're sharing with us today. We'll be careful to give you the glory, the honor, and the praise. But we thank you for your word, because you and your word are one. Your word is your will. So, Father, today we celebrate your will, and we give you the glory for it. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen and amen. You may be seated in the presence of God. Praise God. Once again, it's good to see everyone. Um, I love God's Word because in God's Word, there are principles for life, for ministry. Um, there are principles for success. And in many and most occasions, people that are not successful in applying themselves to their dreams, to their better future, are people that probably have an idea of what they need to do. They just don't do it. See, we, we look for the seven best steps for greater success the three secrets to, I don't know, to achieving anything you want in life, right? But when it boils down to it, it's just simple planning and then executing the plan in a disciplined way, not veering from the left and front or from the right, and so you'll achieve the things you accomplish. So what, what are the secrets? Start, right? Plan, tweak, and finish. That's it. I just gave you the four steps. It's not just enough to just want to do something because just wanting alone doesn't accomplish the success you need. You have to eventually start a thing and then journey through, keep at it, tweak as needed, and take it to the finish. That's it. That's the key. Uh, then the side components are discipline. Getting up earlier than the next person, working harder, going home later, I mean, these are things that all successful people do. But most people, when they're marketing, they'll tell you, 
how about you be successful but only have to work one day a week? When I hear things like that, I, I, I get upset because that's not the truth. And all they're doing is that they're tugging at your comfort cord. All human beings have a comfort cord. That is, they want the good stuff, but they don't want to work for it. They don't want to work hard. They don't want to go to school. They don't want to train. They don't want to prepare. They don't want to sacrifice, but yet they still want the good things of life. Take it from me. If you want to be on the top, you have to climb. And it's never a nice, soft wall, right? Like you do in these cruise, you know, these cruise trips. So they got these nice rubber pads where you just, oh, oh, I worked so hard, I climbed the wall. Yeah, right. In life, in ministry, in all levels of business, to be an entrepreneur, you have to climb jagged mountains. And you know what I also have found? I'm going to let something, I'm going to let you know something. That at the top, there are very few people. There's more competition on the bottom than there is at the top. The higher you go, the less competition you have. But the higher you go, the more dangerous it is. If I climb the mountain to the second floor and I fall, I'll probably get a bad backache out of that. But if I climb 40 stories and I fall, that's it. That's it. So the higher you climb, the more challenges you need to take. But the more rewarding the view will be. So one of the principles I see in, in the scripture is that the truly successful people know they're not going to do it on their own. And our problem most of the time is we don't, we have the, how can I put it? Let me put it this way. If I have a jug full of water and I'm in a desert and I have a jug full of water in a desert, how am I going to treat that jug? Am I going to take a bath with that jug of water? Huh? Am I going to clean my feet, the sand from my feet? No, I'm going to treasure that thing like if that's the last thing I have on earth, right? And even when I drink, I'm going to go, that's it, that's it, that's it. If I want to wash my face, I'll just go like this. That's all I'll do because it's precious to me, right? But what if you lived in that same desert, but you have a river just 20 feet away? And you have that jug of water. Now, how are you going to treat that jug of water? Differently, because now I can drink it, because I can go 20 feet. I can actually create plumbing. I could create, uh, by electrical means, a pump that will actually bring water to my house. I could take a shower. I could do whatever I want. Right? So here's the thing. When you attempt to do things alone, it's like that jug of water in a desert place with no other resource. Yet I have found that most poor folk, and I'm going to use the word poor, and I mean poor in resource, poor in vision, poor in understanding success. That's what I mean by that. Let me qualify that. Most people that are in that poor mindset refuse to partner with somebody because they think that they're going to take away their stuff or they're going to overshadow them. 
or they're going to make them look bad or they're going to take away what a little bit they have. That's a big mistake. Scripture says that two are better than one. They have a better return for their work. When you truly understand the laws of prosperity, the laws of increase, frankly, when you understand God's viewpoint of the power of the body, you'll never, ever think that way again. As a pastor, I have two ways of looking at this. I can either say I'm the top dog here. Whatever happens has to go through me. I'm in charge. I be the man. Nobody does anything here unless you go through me. I decide what happens here. Or I can take the scriptural imperative, which is God gives gifts to us, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, gifts of administration, gifts of giving, gifts of mercy, a lot of different types of gifts for the betterment of the body, for the increase of the body. And I can realize I'm just part of a large, wonderful body, each one having different gifts, differing according to the way God designed them, and knowing that if I employ this properly and work with the body correctly, we'll all get more than we need to fulfill the, the task at hand. Every great leader knows that. Every great coach knows that. Every great military team knows that. Actually, uh, my daughter was just talking to us yesterday. She was saying she belongs to Company Bravo. And she was saying that because of some knuckleheads that went out, two to three guys, they went out and, you know, young guys, they got drunk and they came back drunk. The whole company got stuck this weekend. None of them could go out. See? But the reason why the military does that is they're teaching a team concept. You and your soldier, you guys live and die together, your team. And, and that blows me away, but that's the way it is. When you understand the concept, you're going to create a team concept, a team way of working. I cannot stress enough the pain that I feel when I see people fighting over positions like if there was not enough to go around. In the church, there are an unlimited amount of positions and things to do. The problem is we think that only that one's important, only that one's important. According to God, they're all important. According to God, in 1 Corinthians 12, the ones that don't look like they're important are more important than the ones that are shining. We, in this culture, we worship people. But in the church, we're not supposed to worship people. We're supposed to worship God and serve people and help people and bless people and work with people. But even in the church, we worship people. We worship T.D. Jakes, right? We worship Billy Graham. We worship all these brand-name Christians. I personally have seen when, when some of these men or women show up, how the Christians fawn over them. Oh, please lay hands on me that some of what you have might come upon me. You fool, you have the same spirit. That man, before he brushes his teeth, huh? you better not get close to him. That woman, before she puts her makeup on, ah! I'm just saying, they're normal, regular people. It's not them that are great. It's Almighty God that's great and works with us in spite of our frailties. Amen. Right? 
But in the church, we worship positions. We worship, we think that one is higher, one is less. Not, you, know, you know what God honors? Those that serve with love and with joy. Regardless of whether they have a, ta a, a talent or perceived talent, because we all have talents. But regardless of whether they have a title or not, they just serve. Those are the ones that God starts looking at. He says, here's a person I can trust and I can work with and I can work through. And ultimately, cream always rises to the top. That's not scriptural, but it's a good saying. But the truth of the matter is, those that know how to serve, ultimately, God starts bringing them through his heavenly promotion. Hallelujah. And the Bible says, if one falls down, a friend can help him up. It grieves me in many churches when one is down and we don't help them to get back up. I have found that in many ministries, if one makes a mistake or sins or fails, we are quick to get out the machetes and chop them up. Our machetes don't look like a machete. They look like tongues. We employ what you call telephone ministry. You know what telephone ministry is? We get on the phone. So don't say anything to anybody, but... I had to say something to somebody because I want to pray with somebody. Yeah, right. That's called in Spanish, bochinche. Whenever you hear that word, it's not a positive word. Bochinche, gossip. That's what that is in Spanish. And that's not a good thing. God does not appreciate discord. And one of the things that he abhors, according to the book of Proverbs, is a brother that sows discord. Among the brethren. So don't think you're doing anything good when you're destroying somebody. If they sinned, I'm sure they know it. If they messed up, I'm sure they're aware of it. I'm sure they're carrying a lot of guilt on their shoulders. Lately, I've seen a lot of pastors um, be exposed and have to leave their place of ministry. While that is right, I grieve because I know what it takes to build a church. Or to work together with a team to build a church. Pastors sacrifice a lot. Their elders, their deacons, their ministers that work with them, their congregations that sow together with them, work hard at making sure that local house gets built up. But that's not the end of the ministry just because the pastor defaulted. Because he has an associate, he has other ministers that would be raised up in their place. But it just, it just grieves me. But the truth of the matter is, is that they're human beings like the rest of us, we're all redeemed, but we still live in this flesh. So we'll continuously have the challenges. So we have to discipline ourselves to know what to say no to and know what to say yes to. Right? All true successful people understand discipline. They understand, I want to sleep another hour, but I can't. I have an appointment here. I want to watch a little TV, but I have no time to watch TV right now. The novelita is going to have to wait. I'm going to have to DVR it, and maybe a month from now, I'll be able to see it. Because I have to study, I have to prepare, I have to get this degree, I have to uh, submit this report, right? I have to do what it takes in order to achieve the things that are very important. This TV is not important. The game, what is the latest game that has come out? No, not, not on TV. I, I'm, I'm sorry. You know those games that you play? And those games that you... Huh? Hmm? PlayStation, Halo. All these things. You know, I, I, I'm amazed at, at some of the, the, the young men and ladies, believe it or not, who talk to me about, oh, yeah, I did this, I did this. I said, where did you do it? You know, 
the halo or whatever it is. I said, you know, that's in a little electrical box. That does not impact the earth realm at all. The only thing it impacts is you because it, it, it zombifies you. Because you think you're achieving something, but you're not achieving anything. Amazing. And they keep you there. They, 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 it's almost like a modern-day magnet or modern-day uh, spider's web. It hypnotizes you. It mesmerizes you. It paralyzes you. Because you accomplish nothing of any real import, right? My God. But a true successful person understands this innately or they develop it after having gone through these processes, these journeys, and being delivered from them. Because some people are addicted to that stuff. I can't wait to get home. Why? I got to get to level 14. Yeah, yeah. And, and they're saying it with, oh, I got to get, I got to de-stress. Yeah, yeah. They do it to de-stress. The same thing as a smoker. A smoker has to have a cigarette to de-stress but yet it's hurting them. For the moment, it, they feel a calming effect, but its ultimate landing pad, if you were, would be that the person will get ill they'll, and whatever that may be. So several, and the thing is, we know these things. We know that sugar is bad for you. We know that if you don't exercise and live a sedentary lifestyle, your golden years, your senior years, won't go well for you. We know these things. But only the successful people. Why? Not that they're better. Is that they have decided within themselves that they're going to employ the disciplines needed in order to achieve that better you. The other day, my wife and I saw, we, uh, we saw a program. This elderly lady. She's in her 70s. And a young man came to rip her off. He, you know, he came to beat her up and take her bag and whatever it was that he wanted to do. So he starts the process. She quickly fights him off. And he comes at her again because he's frankly surprised that Miss Senior Lady is fighting back. So he comes at her again. And she whacks his throat and kills him instantly. What he didn't know is she's been a long-term martial artist. And all of the witnesses that saw it, they clapped and celebrated. But they didn't know the guy had died. They thought he was just knocked out. And you know what the police department, or the police said to her? Says, you're okay. You were just defending yourself. Because they were thinking, young man, really? Well, yeah, that's, it's happening out there a lot. But Miss Senior Citizen has a lifestyle of eating right and exercising. And she took it to the next level, of course. And she was able, at 70-plus years old, to defend herself very effectively. Amen. And the truth of the matter is, we can all strive to that if we would just employ the disciplines needed in order to be able to accomplish those very things. But will we do it? I'm doing that for emphasis' sake. <laughs> will we employ the disciplines? Sadly, the majority of the people will never employ the disciplines needed. So what, would do, what do they do in their place? They, they start sharing their justifications. And their excuses as to why they are in that condition. But the truly successful people understand that excuses is just a shroud 
for not admitting that you're just refusing to employ the disciplines you need. Amen. I got two amen, amens and about 20 uh, scowls. Uh, I got people upset at me now. Say, Pastor, this is not the type of message you preach in an ordination service. Well, <laughs> you know, I, it's terrible to be you, I guess, today. <laughs> because <laughs> you decided to come to church. Of all days, you decided to come to church when I'm preaching something like this. <laughs> Praise God. Well, no, there is strength in unity. There is strength in the body. And the bottom line is, that is a principle of success. The Bible says, although one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. And a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. When you have a cord, it's strong. Um, the day before yesterday, or two days ago, my wife and I, we were bringing from Toys R Us a little home for my grandson Judah. It's a home about this big. It has a kitchen and some tables and stuff like that inside of it. So when he comes see us, we'll have that for us. So it came in two boxes. So what I did was we took out the boxes and we took the parts put it in our little car. But unfortunately, the base, I didn't know how big the base was. It was a one-piece base. So it's really big. And like this, the base. You walk in the base, you stand on it, and you build the rest of the pieces on the base. So we were forced to put the base on top of the car. So I went uh, to uh, Walmart, and I got a whole bunch of this real thick cord. You know? And the cord was actually able to hold it. So I did one of these, and I did one of these. Right? What, what, but what I didn't consider is that the law of speed creates another law. Air becomes lead. It becomes steel at 50 to 60 miles an hour. So there was a drag coefficient. But, you know, we wonder, but you can't do anything. You can't hold air. If, if you're going at 500 miles an hour up there, it's literally ground. It's like if you're dri driving on a ground. How else can a 30, 40, 50, 100, 200 ton plane literally rest on air? So as we're driving 20 miles, I'm going like this now. I'm, I'm feeling it. So I'm driving, you know, you know 30 miles. I feel it lifting. 40 miles. Literally, the whole thing goes, woof. <laughs> so it's like hanging. It, it, very soon, it was going to become a parachute. <laughs> so we had to get out. And I had to say, okay, what do I do? So I had to do some other things. And, and then the next, I don't know, 20 miles that we went, we were going, da -do, da -do, da -do, da -do. <laughs> we had to go so slow. And of course, the people, yeah, you idiot. Yeah, stupid. And I'm going, <laughs> get so upset at people. Don't you see what I have? But the beauty about it is the cord actually held it down. Very strong, that cord. But it says there, a cord of three strands cannot quickly be broken. So when you have a multiplicity of people working together, and in the midst of it, you have you, me, and the Holy Spirit, now it becomes a very strong cord that can't be broken. When we work together, now we have the added benefit of the Spirit of God who smiles upon our unity and blesses our unity and gives us the added strength that we need. You and me, we're stronger. When we work as a team, when we work as a body, we're stronger. Say to your neighbor, we're stronger when we work together. It is an established fact 
that married folk make more money than single folk. Married folk tend to become more wealthier in their latter years. So yay to all married folk, right? Yeah, if you work as a team, you work in unity, you work in one, with one common goal, yes, you can be wealthier because there are two salaries, uh, four hands versus two hands, you know, two minds versus one mind. Praise God. So I appreciate that, what Scripture teaches about unity. One time in Exodus chapter 18, um, Moses' father-in-law came to Moses and said, listen, what you're doing is wrong. You have people that you're praying for, but everybody wants you to pray only. And you know when you're shepherding 2.5 million people, you know the line could get pretty long of needs. So he had literally lines upon lines of people waiting to see the man of God, and he's the only one sitting in the seat judging each case. So... You know, so this couple, they had a problem in their marriage. So they would come to see him. And meanwhile, he's talking with him. But the one behind is waiting. One behind is waiting. Whole list of people, whole line of people are waiting. Finally, father's, um, his father-in-law, Jethro, came to him and says, Moses, what you're doing is wrong. First and foremost, you're wearing yourself out. Number two, you're wearing all the people out. Get 70 people. Lay your hand on them. Impart your anointing on them. And let them judge the cases. If there's a difficult one, you then take the difficult one. Moses looked at him and he says, I perceive that God is speaking through you. <laughs> so I will take this advice. And that's what he did. He found 70 people who uh, were righteous, who had knowledge, who had discernment. And he employed this principle. Now suddenly the lines got very short. Suddenly everybody was being ministered to. Did Moses lose his authority? No, on the contrary, the people appreciated that he shared his authority with others. And the bottom line is more people got ministered to. Amen? And that has not changed. Today, many pastors think they have to drive the bus, preach the messages, marry people, bury people. Right? Do all the special events. Never miss a service. Never go on vacation. Right? He's going to be a preacher in the future. Praise God. In Psalms 133, look what it says. Uh, verse 1. Behold how good and how pleasant it is. Say with me, how good. How good. Say with me, how pleasant it is. Pleasant. So, so, notice the context. It's good. It's pleasant. Behold how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It's like the precious oil upon the head running down on the beard. The beard of Aaron running down on the edge of his garments. Notice how the oil or the anointing flows from the top down. See? And it says, there God has commanded life. See, so a team working together, God commands life. God commands blessing. And you have the anointing that flows to everyone. See? So I love that when I hear that because whenever you have a unified body, several things take place. Number one, you'll have the anointing in that place. How many of you want the anointing of God in, the, in this place? How many of you want the anointing of God in your family, over your family, in your lives? The anointing is precious because as it flows, Jesus said it this way, I'm anointed to preach, I'm anointed to teach, I'm anointed to deliver, I'm anointed to set ca captives free. In other words, I've been dedicated for this very purpose. I've been empowered for this purpose. I've been blessed to accomplish this purpose. So as a body, when you understand the concept, you don't lose authority, you actually increase 
power, you increase influence, you increase authority. If I do it all myself, then I have to make sure everything is done all by myself. But the other day when we were building this, I tapped into a lot of people. I'm serious. I tapped into a lot of people. And even among the congregation, there were people that were able to help us with segments of this construction or this renovation. We even had licensed plumbers right here in this place that were able to help us in the distinct areas that we needed help. I tapped into my friends. My friends came and helped me. We even put fire extinguishers and we had to replace them. Because upon advice, I asked for advice, and they said, no, you need commercial-grade fire extinguishers, right? So because of the multiplicity of relationships that I have, that Elder Jose has and other of you have, we were able to do things in such a way that give the maximum benefit to our community, Amen. right? Then they told us, you also need to have it tagged. And I understand that. says, no problem. Yeah, tag means that a professional company who's certified by the state of New York has looked at our fire extinguishers and determined that they are the proper type. Because it's not just having a fire extinguisher. There are different types of fire. There are some fires that you can throw water on. There are some fires that if you throw water, it'll explode. If it's an electrical fire, if it's a fire where uh, actual steel is burning, you better not put just water on that. Because there are several types of steel that when you throw water on it while it's burning, it'll actually explode. See? But I don't know that, but the team does. I don't know that, but the body does. You understand? So in your life, in your ministry, are you taking advantage of your relationships? Are you heightening your relationships by serving your relationships? Right? Because if I employ the principle of do unto others as you would have them do unto you, guess what? In your time of need, they will do unto you. Why? Because when you had a chance, you did unto others. Exactly the way you would want them to respond to you. What do I mean? Be friendly when I have to be friendly. Help them. If I have a chance to help somebody, one of my friends, I'm going to run to that. Why? Because that's my time to sow. That's my time to activate that principle. Do unto others as you would have them do unto others. Give, and it will be given unto you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over shall men give unto your bosom, right? What does that mean? Uh, it means receive an offering. No. No, if you read, I think it's Matthew chapter 7, it's talking about judging. Do unto others. In other words, if you judge others, it'll come back to you. If you don't judge, judge others, that will also come back to you. You won't be judged during your time. If you're merciful with others, with your community, with those that you serve with, in your time of need, they're going to respond. Hmm, I remember that guy. I remember that gal. She, that gal. She was very kind to me. He was very kind to me. Let me help them now. Right? There are some leaders. There are some uh, boxers, uh, uh, athletes that people hate because they have a horrible attitude. Right? So what, what do you, whenever you see them, I say, oh, I can't wait till they make a mistake. Or, uh, you understand? Especially the cocky fighters. Remember Muhammad Ali years ago? He was saying, you know, sting like a bee, whatever, float like a butterfly. And, you know, I'm the best of the world. He had so many people that just wanted him to fail. But that made him very marketable as a boxer. So he, he really truly became, you know, one of the greatest of all time. But part of it was his own marketing strategy. So many people hated him 
that they wanted him to fail, so they paid big bucks just to see him possibly fail, right? Do unto others as you would have them. I mean, in that strategy, it worked because that's what he was looking for. But the truth of the matter is, what you want around you is you want a group of people that you love on, that you minister to, that you serve, that you're friendly with, that you're mentoring, right? Not because you want to get something, but you are being God's rep to them. You're being a mentor to them. You're modeling something that you want them to do for others. But the truth of the matter is, that always comes back to you also. It's a law in the kingdom of God. It's a principle in the kingdom of God. Amen? Praise God. So the first thing is that anointing grows to the degree that we are in unity. In other words, if I'm in unity with two people, my anointing just grew. My authority just grew. My potential resource base just grew. But if I'm in, in unity with 20 people, guess what? Guess what happened there? One can put 1,000 to flight. Two can chase 10,000. But what about three? With that exponential number, maybe 100,000 or maybe a million. What about four? Maybe 10 million. You understand? Notice the more we're in unity around the purposes of God, the greater the anointing is the greater the landing pad of unity. The second thing is we have increased authority to, res- to destroy the works of the devil. Because one could chase a thousand, but two could put 10,000 to flight. If I'm always praying alone by myself, don't, no, 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 don't, don't pray by myself, myself. You have a limited prayer anointing or prayer base. But if I come on Wednesdays and there's 20 people praying, now that prayer just exponentially grew in its authority here in the earth realm. What if we have a hundred people praying? What if we have a thousand people praying? What if we have a million people praying? Oh my God, now we're, now we're taking cities. Now there's a citywide, a nationwide anointing, right? The next thing is, is that when we're together as a body, we realize that suddenly we have unlimited resources. If it's just me alone, with my salary, with my life energy, I can only do so much in a day. If you guys would have waited for me to do all of this here, it would have taken 20 years. Better yet, I would have said, see ya, because <laughs> I was not going to do it. Because I know I can't. It's too much. But with all of the resources we had together, we realized that we had resources enough. And we're still not finished. There's more things. Once this place is... is more in its finished state, we're going to have a full functioning kitchen, central AC, an ability to communicate internationally. Because right now we have, um, we have live streaming, but it's, it's, a ty- it's a free live streaming. I want to pay for the live streaming. I want to have three cameras, one base camera and two roving cameras. So whatever we're doing, anybody could see it anywhere in the world. When we're doing conferences here, I want to be able to catch... Uh, a conference in South America or in Texas when, when, when Jenny's having a special service if we can't be there I want to be able to stream her service here so we could see it, right? Unlimited resources to the degree that we grow praise God amen? another thing is unlimited strength because when I fail guess what happens? you lift up my arms Moses was very old when he was leading he got to a point where he could hardly stand. One time Joshua was in the field, in the valley, and he was up in the mountain observing the fight. 
When he lifted up his arms, something happened in the field. When he lifted up his arms, Joshua and his men started winning the battle. So he kept his arms up, and they kept winning. But after a while, he got tired. He was already frail. And he puts his arms down. They start losing. So he says, oh my God, my partnership, my intercessory partnership with, you know, with God is affecting the, the battle in the field. But he was only one man and he was frail. So what do you do in a situation like this? Well, what happened? Aaron and her got next to Moses. They sat him on a rock, right? And they lifted up his arms and they held his arms up. So now what one couldn't do, three were able. They were able to create an intercessory action in the heavenlies that impacted earth. One couldn't do it, but three were able to accomplish it. And of course, then the rest of the battle was won. Praise God. And lastly, our unity together, serving as a body, provides great encouragement. You have no idea when I come here on a Sunday, especially after a stressed out week, how encouraging you are to me. You don't even have to say anything. You just have to be there. I see you, I say, I belong to a beautiful body. Look at, look at my brothers and sisters in Christ. You provide encouragement to, to me. And I'm sure that there's always something I say that provides encouragement for you. Right? And we provide encouragement for each other in bells. The children get encouragement. You know, some of the kids come to me and they actually give me drawings of things that they did in children's church to encourage me. But when they come, they themselves have been encouraged because they learned something in the Word of God. They, they did something that helped them to remember a principle of the kingdom of God. So they were encouraged doing the action and knowing that they were able to provide something that was going to bless their pastor or their mother or their father. Amen? So we provide encouragement for each other. Pastor, you can do it. Brother, sister, you can do it. I'm praying for you. We're standing, you know, don't worry about it. You got, uh, I, I know Minister Julio, he sends out daily e-blasts to all the guys. And he provides daily encouragement. And from time to time, I see the back and forth banter of the guys saying, you know, I need prayer. And then suddenly you get a rush of, of, of people, you know, standing with you, praying with you. Yeah? We do that in Facebook. When there's a need, we, we see a list of people praying Standing with you. OMG, I'll get praying right away. Yeah, I'm starting to learn some of your language. I'm being forced to. There's still some I don't know and I, I'm afraid to even share it because some of them are not really, you know, they should not be shared in a holy place like this, right? But the, the bottom line is, is that it provides encouragement, the body. And lastly, it provides restoration. Many times we think, that it's over. That's it. No more hope. Don't ever say that to God. When we are at our last moments of just giving up, God's just getting started. God is the miracle worker. He loves to show himself big right at the moment when we think there's no more hope. Sometimes in your last breath, you go, oh my God, that's it. I'm giving up. Suddenly, bam, right there. I just wanted to show you. You've been laboring, you've been trying to do it on your own, and look what it's reaped. Well, wow, now watch this. And suddenly, he opens up a door you never saw coming. 
and for your benefit, and, and then it comes in. And I, I mean, God has done that for me so many times. So now during my moments of crisis, I don't freak out as much because I realize that God has something up his sleeves. You know why? Because he's God, and I'm not. And he's able to do, do it in a myriad ways. Praise God, because he's almighty God. And not for nothing, but it, your situation didn't take him by surprise. Your situation did not surprise him this morning. He did not wake up after a slumber in his palatial you know, mansion in heaven and get up and say, oh my God, I, I missed that one. <laughs> right? That doesn't happen with Almighty God. He doesn't slumber nor sleep. He's not man. He knows your situation. And by the time you realize it, he's already worked five, six, seven, eight things on your behalf on purpose in advance, and it's going to work itself out. And the Bible says that everything works itself out for good to those that are called by God and according to his purpose. Amen? Amen. So for me, working as a body, I won't have it any other way. I won't have it any other way personally. I work with my wife in unity. When we make major decisions, I don't do them on my own anymore. I used to do that a lot when I was younger, and I had to learn. Not, not that, you know, that, you know, we have a thing, especially, not especially, but in my culture. When I was raised, I was raised by a dad that he was a machista. I don't know if you understand that. But in that generation, men were very stoic. They didn't talk much. They didn't share much. They just did. And they led their homes, but, but they were very um, single in their purpose. And many times, the mothers would say, you know, the way your dad is, you just have to basically, you know, do what he says, right? And in my wife's family, it was converse. Her mom was the big boss with the sauce. I mean, that lady, she was matriarchal. I mean, it was matriarchal madness. I mean, you, you, you know, you, you knew her. I mean, she was tough. I'm talking about tough as nails. Her older son one time, he, he went out of control. And she says, get yourself in control right away. And he kept on. He was beating up on the younger brother. And she came up with a bat. I said, get in control and shut up and stop right now. No, bam. Dislocated his shoulder. Right from there, took him to the hospital. That's the way they did things in those days. And suddenly the fight stopped. She was one tough lady. I, I mean, really. You know, I'm not going to go into all the things that, that she would tell me, but whoo, when I came in the house, I came with reverence. I came in and I went, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That didn't mess. But now, imagine what that created. In our marriage, in our young years, we got married at 19, very young. Well, my wife, she was hot-headed, and she saw from a matriarchal perspective, and then I saw from a, a patriarchal, machista perspective. So in the beginning, <laughs> did I do that right? Oh, it was tough. Our first years were tough. <clears throat> so... I, I realized, and she realized, after a while, it was useless to do that. We, we learned to work together, and now, 36 years later, we make our decisions together, and because of it, 
they've been, they have been sound, prayed through, effective decisions that have helped us, helped our children. And, and today we stand um, you know, blessed by God, but we've learned to submit to each other, to work as part of the body, part of the team. And then my connection with you guys, I also believe the same. I don't do all the decisions here. I don't have to. I have qualified, talented, anointed leaders. Um, and, and so I appreciate all of you. And this is just getting started. In the coming months and years, remember what uh, Bishop Joe said? Bishop Joe said that the transition has started, that now you're in an upswing. And within, he's saying within six months, you're going to see some incredible changes and some multiplication here. Why? Because we're doing the right things things that it takes in order for us to multiply and be more effective in community and serving our city. Amen? So the question I want to ask you, are you the type of person that needs to do everything on your own? Or have you understood the principle of working as a body? Don't, you don't have to answer, just think to yourself. Number two, have you realized this? Or is this the first time you're hearing this? Let me tell you, it's much better. You should always have, I said this morning briefly, three people around you. Number one, you should always have a Paul. Someone that's mentoring you. Someone that, that has lived where you haven't lived yet. Someone that has more life experience than you that can speak into your life. But you, you should also have a Barnabas, and that's a buddy. A buddy that won't put you down. A buddy that won't criticize you. A buddy that will only encourage you and lift you up. Right? That would always want the best for you and you should always have a Timothy someone that you're always sharing what you get immediately giving to them somebody that you mentor yeah but I'm kind of new listen believe it or not somebody is always looking at you and learning from you whether you realize it or not somebody is always learning and watching rather learning from you and watching you and will try to emulate you praise God so are we doing these things? And in business, if you're an entrepreneur, you really need to know the power of working as a body or working as a team. Because you're going to need to learn to work with vendors. You're going to need to serve your constituency. Well, I'm my own boss. Nobody tells me what you do. Oh. When you're your own boss and you're serving 100 people, you got to have 100 bosses. Okay? If you have a job, then you have to answer to your supervisor. If you have your own business, depending on how many people you're serving, they're all your bosses. You know why? They control your destiny and future. Because if they withhold the finance, your business will go, right? So in order to serve effectively, do what Jesus did. What did he do? He went into the room when they were complaining and they were saying, we want to be at Jesus' right hand. We want to be at Jesus' left hand. We want to be the number one minister there. They were fighting for positions. And you know what Jesus did? He, come, he comes in there with a towel. And he says, okay, guys, I'm going to teach you something today. If you want to be great, learn to serve. If you want to be great, you'll be servant of all. In other words, the higher you go, the more people you have to serve. You want to be mayor? Well, guess what? You're going to serve 8.5 million people. You want to be governor? Well, you're going to serve, I don't know how many people in New York State, but it's a lot more than the mayor. You want to be president? You have to serve the world. Today, our president is in Washington, D.C. Tomorrow, guess where he's at? 
He's in Iraq somewhere, talking to the troops. Then he's in South America. Then he's in Canada. Then he's in France. You have to serve the world. So don't rush to want to be influential, but rush to learn how to serve. What did Jesus do? He took his towel, got some water, and washed their feet. What did Peter say? Absolutely not. You better not do that. You're Lord. See, his thinking was that if you're up here, they have to serve you. Jesus said, no, no, turn that around. Because you're going to serve a lot of people. You're going to be a bishop. You're going to be an apostle in a future day. So you're going to need to learn this principle. And I am the only one that can teach you right now. Because I am Lord. If I do that for you, I am master. If I do that for you or for you, then you will do that with your brethren. So he proceeds and then he said this to Peter if you don't do it this way if you don't let me do this for you you won't have any part in my kingdom then Jesus said ooh I mean Peter said ooh then wash my feet and wash my head too (laughs) he says no no it's just I'm I'm making an example here for you okay wash your own head (laughs) so he washed their feet why was that so significant only servants did that job lords did not do that job but he was teaching them a principle If you're a leader, you can never ever think that serving people is a bad thing. It's a good thing. It's a precious thing. It's the will of God.